Welcome back to Building a Greener Idaho. I'm your host this week, Remington Byer, and with me on the phone is Jay Nichols. Um, we've been having a conversation about, about Blue Mind, which is a book that Jay wrote, um, but it's a book about uh, the therapeutic aspects of, of our brains on water. And Jay, I'm curious, when you started approaching these other uh, researchers out there and, and looking at using EEGs and fMRIs and um, the people you collaborated with to study this, had they been waiting for you? Was there some kind of a research convergence here where other people were, were also contemplating the same thing, or did you surprise them? I, did a, I would say it was a bit of a mix. There, there were people who were doing research, say, on you know, our brains on music who hadn't considered the sound of water or the sound of nature. And so when I approached them and said, well, you know, instead of uh, playing the girl from Ipanema while you're scanning somebody's brain, why don't you uh, play the sound of water? And I thought, huh, what's... And some of them thought it was interesting. Some of them thought it was boring. And, uh, and so obviously I continued, continued the conversation with those who, who thought it was interesting. Uh, I have a friend who is a neuroscientist at Stanford who studies... Uh, the visual system of our brains, and turns out he's also a surfer, and was co-captain of the Princeton uh, University swim team when he was a, a student there, and so he's a water guy, and he was just kind of like, "Wow, that's yes, let's do that, let's let's start thinking about that," and it hadn't really occurred to him to take his his lifelong passion, which is the water, and marry it with his academic pursuit, uh, and so. I think that's that's usually part of it. If someone's got that um, a water bug kind of as part of who they are, they they may be a little more open to to the idea. But it it does sound it sounds obvious and intuitive and almost like well this isn't even even necessary. We already know that being by water makes us makes us happy and feels good. But the reality is that when you know we, when we undervalue anything or anyone bad things happen, and we, right. we have undervalued our lakes, our rivers, our oceans, and, and each other in lots of different ways, and we see what happens, and uh, things, things go south, and things, things fall apart, and my, my feeling is, I'm a, you know, I'm a marine ecologist, I come out this as a more, you know, more of a, a guy that studies turtles and their habitat uh, out in the ocean, but the more language we can pull together and the more science we can pull together that brings more people to this conversation that says, you see that river over there? When it's healthy, it's good for our economy. It's good for the ecology. It's an educational tool. But guess what else? It's good for our emotions. It makes our lives worth living. It makes us happy and boosts creativity. It's the place we go to say beautiful things to people we love to propose. That's a place we go at the end of life to memorialize uh, those that we've lost. From end to end, that river is an, an emotional resource. Um, we don't talk about rivers that way, uh, you know, publicly or, or professionally. And that's really the goal uh, that, that I, I've got is, is to change that, is to make people, you know, serious people, decision makers, politicians, managers, leaders, scientists, more comfortable uh, in that emotional realm because the science backs it up. 
Right. So that's where we're headed with this, I think. And it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And it's, again, these are thousand-year-old ideas. There's nothing new, but we're just bringing a, a new set of tools uh, to bear on it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, super interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because <clears throat> here in Idaho, uh, out in California as well where you're at, um, as you pointed out, it's it's so easy to take for granted the the qualitative benefits that are conferred upon us um, when we have clean water and when we have running water. And, and, you know, often the conflict over water and increased demand for an increasingly scarce and temperamental variable resource yeah. results in us trying to, to grasp at the best way to manage it. And we, I, I don't think the qualitative... Um, notion of it is is discussed as much as it could be or perhaps should be and it's funny because i in preparation for this conversation i went online to actually look at from the economic perspective you know where are the top destinations that people travel to in idaho and this is a completely unscientific way to approach this question but i ran a google search you know top places to go in idaho and on four different websites uh the top three were all water-related on almost all of them. And on one of the websites, the top four were water-related. So whether it's, you know, visiting the lakes in Idaho or rafting down a river, um, we've got a lot of water-related or or Blue Mind uh, contributing activities to do here. But what's really interesting is here in Boise, where I'm calling you from, where many of our listeners are based, um, we're extremely lucky, fortunate to have uh, a great community resource, which is the Greenbelt trail system and the park system within the city of Boise and then branching down further into Garden City and the cities throughout the Treasure Valley that that line the river. And, you know, you mentioned um, uh, urban blue, at least I believe we we touched on it superficially, and and that's the notion of incorporating water-related thinking into our urban design and urban planning and development. And... um, I think we, we we don't just feel it, but we know it here in Boise, and we can see it. We've got a new whitewater park uh, that is being improved upon right now that's going to bring new beaches and a new place for people to go and recreate. And um, how do we... Are we doing everything we need to be doing right now, or, or is there more that we can do to support that type of development, which is not only good for the city and good for developers, but and, but good for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're doing it. This, that's what this conversation is about, I think. And, and as intuitive and uh, ancient as these ideas are, this is a new kind of conversation. I, I, I'll bet this this kind of conversation we're having right now hasn't happened on your radio station before, but it should uh, more. We should talk about you know the the emotional benefits of of the lakes and the rivers of Idaho in a serious way and. I think that's that's part of it. So it's you know turn the lights on and let's talk about this stuff like it's real because it is. Uh, the other part of it is let's teach it. So I know when you know when we take kids to the to the tide pools here in California, we teach them about who lives in the tide pools, what they eat, who eats them, how the tides work. They learn marine biology and ecology and oceanography. Then they go back to the city. They go back to Oakland. And nobody ever asked them about limpets ever again. And limpets kind of like a little snail thing. Hmm. And, but they've learned it. And what we miss is, is also telling them 
I'm not suggesting we don't teach kids ecology, of course, but we should also teach them the emotional part. And they're already taking the field trip. And the thing that they may really take away from that field trip, or a lot of kids will, is that I can come here anytime I want for the rest of my life. Number one, I am the owner of this place, uh, along with every other citizen. This is my coast. Uh, I need to take care of it. Number two, I can come here if I'm having a bad day, if I want to have a better day, if I'm having a really rough patch, if I'm I feel like I might get, I might drop out of school. This is a good place to come and just reset it. This should be my first line of medicine. But we don't, we don't teach kids that. We don't teach them that the river also uh, is that for us. And so that's, I think that's the low-hanging fruit. So we're already doing a lot of field trips. There are lots of environmental education programs. Let's bake in neuro literacy along with the eco literacy, so that everybody knows. Uh, you know, blue mind, about their blue mind, and how to manage it. Uh, and that's an empowering uh, a new, new tool for your toolbox. And uh, I think that's a, it's game-changing, really, if you think about it, as far as uh, for educators, for parents, uh, for, for us as adults, and then as we age uh, as therapy uh, for all the things that start to happen as, as you get older. Um, that's a that's my recommendation. That's that's the work we're we're trying to do uh, around the world. Jay, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I want to thank you for coming on Building a Greener Idaho. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and uh, let's have this conversation conversation again sometime in the future. Yeah, maybe when the next book or two come out <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Excellent. All right, take care. You too.